Welcome to Simon White, the podcast at the crossroads of media, business, and politics. I'm Christian White, and joined as always by Mark Simon. Mark, you're up in Canada today, aren't you? I am up in the land of the Canucks. Yes. Excellent. Have you seen any hockey fights, ice, or uh, what's it called? The, thing no, with the, Canadi- the-, the Canadians are bummed out. They got nobody in the World Series now, although the CFL is Canadian Football League is getting ready to start. Actually, a very underrated league. Good offensive pro shows there. So. Well, as long as they don't have a lot of showboating, then I'm on board. Um, okay, so there was a rally last Friday uh, in the stock market, and we're in the midst, of course, of a bear market for the Dow and the S&P 500, but that appears to be over, uh, implying that it may have been a, a dead cat bounce. On Tuesday, the S&P 500 was off about 2%, the Dow about 1.5%. Uh, what do you make? Do you think we're just still in, in an overall oh, negative good. situation? Are you even looking? Is there anybody you're even looking at right now? Can I ask you, is there any stock that you're like going, okay, right this moment, the moment it goes a little bit more, I'm in. Is there anything like that you're looking at right now? There isn't because there's just nothing that I don't think will be cheaper in six months than there is today, even defensive stuff. Yeah. I'm I'm the same. I'm I'm with you. What is it? What's out there? What can you purchase today that we have raging confidence is going to be worth more the oil stuff i mean all right well if you like oil maybe a big dividend's coming your way or something like that but you know it's it's probably what would what would oil have to go to 140 150 you know for it to put it you know for you to get another uptick and it could as well drop with the economic recovery the economics economy starts dropping look i i i've been looking around my own personal stuff i am now about 90 percent cash and gold, you know, I've, I've been a gold uh-huh. bug my whole life. Small gold bug, small gold bug, very small, you know. But I, I, I like gold, and um, the reason why is it's just because it's something to do. And when markets are like this, it, but but even gold's not doing anything now. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's I've been a surprise for me. How in an inflationary I, uh, market it is it still stuck either. at 1800? Well, hopefully Biden. He said Biden's going to come along and help us. Hopefully, because he's basically <laughs> said. He's gonna he's gonna ban you know Russian gold. I don't know how you determine if it's Russian gold or not. I'm waiting for that one. You know what I'm saying? But look, I I I'm I'm just my point is is alternative investments if they're out there, maybe now's the time. If you got some cash, Christie's has an auction. I don't know. Who knows what to do? I wouldn't buy real estate because I think that's kind of overpriced in many of the more attractive markets. So oh, the yes. question is, question is, what are you doing? I think you sit. There's nothing wrong with doing nothing. You know, people always think you have to do something. That's wrong. The guy who thinks you have to do something, this guy wants a commission out of you or the person who wants you to talk and think they're really smart. Doing nothing is fine right now. And I think that's where you need to be. I can't predict what's going to happen in the future. And I can't. But I can tell you right now, we are not out of this. We also have no leadership. Jerome Powell, the president, Congress, nobody. Okay. Janet Yellen, nobody. Nobody has an idea of what's going on now. Overseas, mm-hmm. it's the same way. Okay? So why? I mean, why even why why draw out there and try to be the smartest guy in the room? You're not gonna be that you're not gonna be the smartest guy in the room. Sit on cash, wait, it's gonna happen. I I myself think what will happen is we'll see a rally if the Republicans win the House, maybe if they win the Senate, but the House will be key. And we could get back to what Milton Friedman called. I don't know if this still holds, but you remember Milton Friedman always said the best combination for economic growth is basically a conservative Congress 
and a moderate president, economic president. Hence, Bill Clinton was actually fantastic. Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich worked together. I give Gingrich more credit than Clinton, but, you know, it actually worked quite, quite well. I think that what we're going to see is if the Republicans win, Biden will be moderated. The question will be, will his staff be moderated or will they be running for 2024 trying to blame people? I just don't know what's going to happen. But sit on your wallets, folks. It's okay to sit around. It's fine. Yeah. Two things on that, two or three things on that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's this, in fact, I was once asked, um, a CEO of big companies, well, you can't, you know, especially in an inflationary environment, if you're losing a percent a year on cash, you have to be in something. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> unless that something is going to decline in value, in which case it, nothing would have been better. Um, two other They're things, wrong. oil, I, yes. I, 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 I have two companies I work, you know, large companies, and I tell mm-hmm. my CFOs, I mean, they report to me. I tell them, you don't be clever. Don't try to be clever. You know, don't 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 make the make matters worse. Okay, I'm paying mm-hmm. out in Canadian dollars one place. I'm paying out in Taiwan and U.S. dollars in another place. We do not need to be clever people. We need to ho- hold hold the rope. I, I would even tell people if you're in the market now and you haven't sold, just sit. Unless you really hate the company you're invested in, you know what I'm saying? Just sit. Right. But no, you can always I, hedge, I, of course. <laughs> you, can, you can do it. And if you're smart enough to do it, you're OK. But not everybody is, Kristen. It's one of the things, you know, I hear people say I'm shorting this and I'm shorting that and I'm doing this. Most people, you know, imagine if you go to one of the big banks, Morgan Stanley or Goldman, there's whole rooms full of people making these decisions. You know what I'm saying? There's the Japanese yen team. There's the Euro team. There's the short tech guys. So you're supposed to sit in front of your little TD Waterhouse screen and be smarter than them? I don't think so. I, right. I think that's no, what they call no. it. No, I don't think you would. If you I, think I, if you're people, afraid people the market can go down, you can, you can buy an ETF that would just short the S&P 500, yeah. uh, at least on a daily basis. Not, I mean, there is, can be a divergence between daily returns and, and longer term ones. But. I will be the greatest thing for CNBC ratings in history. I will be the greatest <laughs> thing. I will get on in the morning and I will say, don't buy anything, just sit. And then I will do six <laughs> hours of family guy, okay? Then in the afternoon when the market closes, I will say, I'm glad you didn't buy anything again, more family guy. So we'll just show family guy on CNBC all day long and we'll kick ass in the ratings. It's Same amazing crowd. that, yeah, yeah, that would, that would do a lot better. People would make more money too. You know, that's the yeah. one thing everyone agrees on, the bulls and the bears is too. Uh, certainly limit your churn and limit the number of equities you hold. If you hold too many, you just get market risk. And, you know, why not just buy an S&P 500 fund that charges almost nothing? But you have people like Kramer on CNBC and every day it's sort of, you know, uh, buy this, not that, buy this, not that. It's a pump and dump. Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, I've dealt with the bookers. You've dealt with the bookers going on shows. I've been on CNBC. Fox, other channels, excuse me. And um, look, I mean, people have got to say something. I'm content to say nothing, which I've been saying nothing now for seven minutes. So it's pretty good. 
<laughs> well, on the way to continuing to say nothing, one, uh, just to close out two thoughts on oil, that would be a defensive play energy shares, but I'm just convinced that the Democrats are going to bring down the price of oil the only way they know how, which is to cause a recession. And that I think is, first of all, why the Saudis and the Emiratis, people who have spare capacity are not pumping more. It's not just that they hate Joe Biden because he intentionally made enemies out of them. Uh, it's because they're worried that in the blink of an eye, as in 2008, uh, oil can go from north of 100 bucks a barrel down to 80, 70, 60, who knows? It's, there's very inelastic demand, which means that small things can move the price up, but small things can move the price down. And you don't need a great recession to bring oil back down to 60 bucks a barrel. Actually, just a, a recession in Europe and the United States, which is uh, not only possible, but I would say probable, um, might actually have that effect. Uh, well, and the other thing is, oh, sorry, go ahead, bro. Yeah. No, no, you don't. Go ahead. I was just going to say the other thing is everyone sort of is uh, the bulls are hoping that Jerome Powell isn't serious about all the tightening he has laid out for the Federal Reserve. They think he's not serious about reducing the Fed's balance sheet, about letting some of these uh, government bonds and mortgages that they bought in the last two years run off their balance sheet, shrink the money supply, continue raising rates. But if you're Powell, you have a decision tree. Either you can go soft on inflation and then what's the story about you? You came in, you presided over the Trump boom, but uh, then you uh, printed way too much money in 2020 in the crisis and caused inflation and then stagflation. Or you could be an independent man, say, screw Biden. He tried to throw me under the bus. I'm going to pull a Paul Volcker. I'm going to raise rates. I'm going to cut money supply. I'm going to get inflation under control. And then the story about me is the Trump boom. Um, yeah, we had too much money printing during the pandemic, but we got that under control, caused a recession, but that's the way it goes. I, I don't see why he doesn't do number two for the sake of history, because, you know, he's in a second term. He can't get a third term. Biden, as we see, is going to throw him under the bus regardless. So why not be your own man and, and focus on inflation? Doesn't have it in him. <laughs> Just too much yeah. time at the country club. Way too much time. Way too much time. You got to be a, you got to be willing to be unpopular sometimes. And that means you got to be basically enjoy your own company and that of your dog and your cigars over people <laughs> and your books. So, yes. yeah, so yep. Well, I don't, we don't have that problem. Um, go woke, go broke. It's uh, it happens every week and that's why it's often weekly segments on our show here. Um, but you have two landmark Supreme court decisions, one reaffirming the right to keep and bear arms. You know, we used to joke, uh, in RKBA circles, as they're called, that, you know, you're going to have to pass a new amendment saying the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And this time we really mean it. But finally, the court has gotten to a point where it is recognizing this and states that make it virtually impossible to get a concealed weapons permit like New York and California. It goes county by county in California, but the populous counties, it's virtually impossible. Even ones you think would be reasonable, like Orange County or San Diego, uh, that's going out the window. It'll take years for it to sort of percolate all the way through the system. The other landmark ruling, of course, eliminates uh, the reasoning of Roe versus Wade and the supposed right to have an abortion. It will now go yep. state by state. And so uh, uh, we, without much deliberation, you have big companies, including Target, which was not able to even come close to its earnings forecast, but was able to decide that its employees can be paid 
by the company to travel to get an abortion if they need one. And this is on the heels, of course, of every big bank saying basically the same thing. Bank of America, JP Morgan, Chase, Citibank all saying this. You know, I wonder if when spring break time comes along, everyone's going to announce they need to go get an abortion in Las Vegas. Um, sorry, that's crass, that's mean, but um, you know, what's it like, Mark? Do you think if you're either just on the fence or an actual pro-life employee of these banks to see the CEOs jumping on this bandwagon? I mean, look, I, I, it's, we have to remember that first of all, the CEO, most of them don't care. They really don't give a damn one way or the other. I, I understand why, but what they're trying to do is it's just like, you know, they're, who screams the loudest and they just have to yeah. keep those people silent and you know who screams the loudest they can silence and they can keep getting their big giant paycheck for the next couple of years so i have a very different take on this i think the fact of the matter is i think this is just a continuation i think they you know i think the first thing they did is we had the little hats after trump got you know this it's been a continuation of companies, climate change, you name it. But he, here's the thing I'm, I'm starting to think is that it doesn't matter anymore. Corporate America has basically factored these things in. Okay, big decision coming up. What are you going to do tomorrow? Well, we're going to go out and be concerned. We're going to hang a flag up. It's going to be concerned. You know, the, comp the main companies I work in, Besides real estate, real estate, but media and then the media business and then the hotel business, you know, the media and the hotel business is, has been, a, you know, a really, you know, basically media and hotels, a lot of home, a lot of gay employees there, a lot of LGBT. It's kind of interesting inside these two things that nobody really jumps up and down about Pride Month. In fact, I had a friend tell me the other day, she goes, oh, my God. If I have to go to one, she's she's a lesbian, gay. If I have to go to one more pride event to be the senior executive to represent, she goes, a week would have been fine. She said, but you know, when you're in like, she said, like, she, she said, like, when you're in week three, you know what I'm saying? Of like this marathon of events, you know what I'm saying? She said, I just want them, she had a great line. She goes, I just want them to like put a little thing in front of my office and people can walk by me like I'm in the zoo or something like that <laughs> because you have all these well-meaning people and just leave them alone. I mean, if you want to celebrate it, celebrate it. If you want to put up the flag, put up the flag. I don't care what people do. And the vast majority of my LGBT employees could care less either. You know, we have a, in one of our companies, we have a, somebody transitioning. What kind of support can we offer you? How can we help you? Yeah. We, you know, we're having, we're creating gender neutral bathrooms good. Everybody's happy. You know what I'm saying? Get on with the job. You're good at what you do. We don't care other than that. Enjoy your personal life. And I think that's the way you have to do it. I, I don't think that you have to say, we're going to be a supportive environment where everything, no, where were, where were you work? Where were you make money? Where were you hopefully pay for the things in your life that's going to advance your happiness? But it's not my job. And I don't look at it as, as something that I should do to interfere in somebody's life. And I think the problem is, is that we've got an entire, in more major corporations, we've got entire divisions of people who think it's their job to get involved in other people's lives in the company. We have to intervene. We have to do this and that. Yes. I'm sorry. I don't, I, don't, I don't see it. But let me 
after the business point, let me tell you the main economic thing that's going to happen here. And I think this is going to, I think Roe Wade and the, uh, 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 the Dobbs decision, what's Dobbs, the, the guns decision. Yes. I think those two things are going to change the way we have migration of people in this country. You made a really good point when you point out how these companies are saying, you, we're going to, well, if you're in Alabama, we're going to let you go to, you know, New York to have an abortion. We'll fly you up there. There's going to be more and more people maybe who say, well, I don't want to live in Alabama because of this. And we see it all the time. And it's going to happen in retirement. Maybe somebody who's from New York. I don't want to I don't care about that coast anymore. I can't live down there with those people in Florida. I've seen it. I've seen it. I can't live with those people in Tennessee who are pro-life. I think we're going to start seeing people basically pick where they want to be. I'm a blue person. I'm a red person. Here's the problem for the blue people. The red people are far more productive. And it's going to be the same thing with guns. <laughs> right. You know, the red people are just more productive. I mean, the fact of the matter is you, you go out. I mean, go out. It's like characters sometimes of the of the of the people of, you know, of the of the hardcore blue movement. They work for the government. They work for an NGO. They work in some position. I work for Morgan Stanley. Yeah, you're the HR department. OK. They work in some division of media that has nothing to do with the money of the company. It, it is literally, and I say this and I'll be challenged on it and I'll, I think I'll win every single challenge. Go to these places where these people are and see what they're, I just always love when they have these big financial things on like, you know, diversity or woke type subjects. And they say, you know, they're having it down at the center. You walk around, if you collected every name card in the place, you wouldn't find five people who have PL responsibility. You know what I'm yes, saying? They're just exactly. not there. It's 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 all the fluff of the a rainmakers aren't the ones pushing the envelope they don't give on the shit. They don't give a shit. And I think what's gonna happen is we're gonna start to see, I really believe this. Look at the the, the dot the gun law is gonna be huge. Because basically, if you're in New Jersey now, they've now given you the rights, like in Canada, for example. In Canada, when you go to get your gun permit, you have to list all your former conjugal partners for that year. <laughs> okay. What you're doing is they're actually going out to look for people to disqualify you. Mm -hmm. That's what they're looking for. So, you know, if you shacked up with somebody for a month, basically this person's going to get a phone call. Hi. Do you think Mark Simon, not, I'm not shacking up with anybody. My wife, she watches this, don't worry. Hey, Mark Simon, you know, do you do you think Mark Simon's crazy? Well, of course she thinks I'm crazy because basically she loved me. We were together. Then I walked out on her and went with somebody else. Do you think he should have a gun? Well, of course not. He's Mark, he's, you know, he shouldn't have it. These red flag laws are going to be a nightmare. And you know what's going to happen? That's a basic tenet of personal freedom. And people are just going to say, you know what? Why should I just stay here in New Jersey and New York anymore? Everything else stinks. And now I went hunting the other day. I, this actually happened in New Jersey to a guy who lives close to me. True story. He went hunting. He was loading his guns into his car, okay, to go hunting. Everybody in the neighborhood knows he hunts okay he's a bow hunter so he's going he loads he's, he's loading them in the cases into his car a lady walks by 
walking her dog, calls the police, says there's a man with a gun. Okay. They show up at this guy's house. Sir, can you please step out? He's humiliated in front of his neighbors. Okay. That's the future of it. That's the future. Mm-hmm. They, 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 where are you going hunting? What are you doing? I'm going hunting here. What are you going to do with your guns? Can we see all your guns? Now, f- the bad news for the cops is this guy is a, a you know, he's a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, but the, but the guy, he told me the story after mass. He told me the story. He said it was, it was horrible. He said this woman basically, and here's the whole thing. She knew what she was doing. This is the most, cause she knew she saw the gun cases. You know what I'm saying? So you would know that if you see a guy loading something in a gun case, responsible gun owner, probably, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> maybe the yellow stuff, the orange stuff that he was also loading in the car. Maybe the fact that he had a, has a truck that has like a big duck on the back of it or something like that. Maybe he's a hunter. But 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 people aren't like that anymore. And so this is the, the red flag law is going to really destroy. It's going to be the king rat commie law of the land. You watch. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to get ratted out. You're going to have teachers go. Does anybody's parents have guns? My daddy has guns in the house. <gasps> he has guns in the house. And children are around. You know what I'm saying? The guy can oh, have it behind. Even worse, sticks. he's a Republican. Yeah. Hey, we're already seeing in California that's coming up. My point yeah. is, I think you're going to see some people on the left, a small minority on the left, say, I cannot live in these states that are conservative, red women are just going to leave. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the overall effect is going to be more people leaving blue states because I think the gun thing is going to get really, really bad. I think it's going to get so bad. And people who own guns, it's a, I wouldn't say it's passionate. That'd be the wrong thing. But they feel very strongly about them. You know what I'm saying? If somebody came to me and, and, and said to me, you can't have guns, at all. And I say, well, you know, well, I'm not first. I don't even own pistols. I just own shotguns. You know what I'm saying? Um, no, I'm not going to be staying around. I got to go. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I can't live. I can't live like that. You know, well, and especially too, because concealed carry will have to become more of a reality, at least on paper in places like New York and California, where it hasn't in concealed carry works. I mean, everyone always, all the liberals predict a bloodbath whenever states. And, and, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to get yeah, in trouble. It's, it, but, it, but it actually reduces crime. It certainly doesn't lead to vigilantism. It's, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I can't wait to get in trouble. These white lefties do not want blacks and Hispanics to have guns. I am telling you right now, mm. all of these things, the girlfriend rule, whether, you know, the conjugal visits, that's all about increasing the number of rats inside a certain population. They're not stopping some 40 year old Trump guy who basically can only, if he's lucky, his wife will sleep with him, you know, twice a year. You know, I mean, they're not stopping him, okay? And mm-hmm. so the fact of the matter is, you know, they're not stopping him. What they're targeting is they're targeting the 23-year-old African-American who's got two baby mamas, you know what I'm saying? This is the, the one thing about the people talking about the gun law. It is absolutely, absolutely a racist law. It is, I, and I will, I will argue that to the day. It is the most racist, anti-minority weapons. The red flag law is nothing but it's stop and search by gun permit. That's all it is. If you're against stop and search in New York City, that's it. 
African-Americans live in the high crime areas. They've got to be able to defend their families. You know what I'm saying? If they don't have a weapon, then people know they don't have a weapon. And then that house becomes vulnerable. And, 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 and I'm sorry, the criminals are going to get them no matter what, as we've already seen. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I couldn't imagine living in the Bronx or some of these more violent parts of Chicago without having a gun. I mean, it would be, I, 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 I have never, I've never cottoned to this notion that, that people think that you have to protect other people, especially at the expense of their rights. And I, and I, I, I look, you have to understand, I, I'm a Southerner. I'm from the South. What stopped lynchings in the South was basically African-Americans got weapons. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I, I mean, I know the stories. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm a little bit of a history buff, but the fact of the matter is, Whenever you had an African-American community that got run off or displaced, it's usually because they weren't armed well enough. They may have had a shotgun in the kitchen or something like that, but later in life. I mean, you've heard the stories of Martin Luther King around, you know, when they had Martin Luther King. Yeah, Martin Luther King was assassinated with a long, from a long shot, a long way away. But everybody around Martin Luther King carried guns. for a, yeah, They did. And I think there's a story that Thurgood, Thurgood Marshall sat on a couch and almost shot his ass off. Because one of the guns went off, or something like that. There's, a, I think it's in, I think it's in Juan Williams' book, something uh-huh. like that. They were all, they were armed to the teeth. They had guns everywhere. Gun, I mean, why did they have guns? Because they knew guns is what the white rednecks would respect, which would keep them away. I, 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 for the life of me, I, for the life of me, do not understand the the this this rationale of just you know looking at one group of people and saying you're not good enough. I'm not quite the Margaret Sanger person on the on the on the on the abortion stuff. I mean, I think in the past she was there. I don't think that's the motivation of those groups today. But I'm telling you, I, I see I see the stuff coming out of the mouths of the uh, of the anti-gun people. And it really, really, you know, if as an African-American, I'd be really concerned because they just don't they you're done. You know what I'm saying? They don't want you guys right. to have guns. And I know that's well, going to get me in trouble, but I feel strongly about that. Edit that if you need to, but I'm not too worried about it. But, you know. <laughs> I'll leave it in. We'll leave it in. No, because I think it's, it's factual. And um, yeah, if you're in a city like LA or New York today, and you know you see someone lean down to pick something up and get a glimpse of a, of a of a pistol in a holster, you're like, okay, that is either a criminal or a cop. And in the future, it will be what it is in the rest of the country, which is, oh, it's most likely someone who's taken the time to get a concealed yeah, weapons I mean, permit, look, is trained, I- and. I mean, that's my whole thing. I mean, if, they, if, they, if, you, if you need a weapons permit and you're trained and you know what's going on, you know, that, I, I, I'm not a huge gun guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, even on the on, I, I'm pro-life. I admit to being pro-life, but I'm also kind of realistic that, you know, thanks to the pharmaceutical revolution and birth control and morning after pills and, you know, everything else, I, my effort is not going to be put into basically stopping people from going and getting abortions from, you know, Florida up into, you know, uh, Maryland, that doesn't mean anything to me. I think what we have to do is we have to put money behind the adoption programs. We have to put money where people know that, you know, basically, if, if you have a kid, we're going to stand there and support that kid. You know, the, the the great thing is, the funniest thing is, is the old racial arguments. You're not quite as old as I am, but you may not remember I used to remember people used to make the argument, well, who's going to take all those little babies if they, you know, That's, they have- I was going to mention that. Yes, I do remember. I was, and liberals I, would be brazen that, that, that no one wanted to adopt black kids. 
my which my is, mother, which is my mother actually, my mother, God bless my mother. My mother heard somebody say that, and my mom, my mom was the king, the queen, I should say, of non-confrontational. And she turned around. I don't want to say the person's name because it was complete. Because my mother's a southerner. She goes, "That is the most silly and ridiculous thing I have ever heard out of your racist mouth." And she turned around and walked away. And, and and Mrs. Haran up the street, an Irish Catholic woman, really nice lady. Mrs. Haran was like, oh, Dorothy, I can't stand that woman. And it was just, you know, it was this old woman who basically said, well, nobody wants those little black babies. And I'm going like, who would say that? A racist? But I mean, but the point is, is that I, 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 there are so many people who want babies now. You know what I'm saying? So many people yes. who want kids. I'm telling you. If you really got to get rid of them, I can give you the address. And if you drop it off in the front gate, my wife will be out there in five seconds carrying it in, you know, a baby. I mean, so it's it's I don't buy it. I don't think it's there. But I also, Kristen, I think, I'm, you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is this is where I think you're correct earlier when we were talking. I'm not sure the political effects of this, because I think most women are going to figure out, A, they can get an abortion anywhere they want. OK. And B, the real thing is going to be is that with birth control, the morning after pill and everything else, the demand's just not there the way it used to be. Right. You know, right. And, I, and it's, it's sort of kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of sad on that, but it's, you know, it's the, the one thing I will tell you about this. I've now, I now have a new, after watching this, I've always had it. I am now firm in my philosophy. I listen to no one who cannot write articles. Like you write really good articles. Other people write them. But if I see somebody on TV and the extent of their ability is basically a tweet and then running their mouth, I'm not interested in talking to them on either side because some of the dumbest things I've, I've actually haven't been able to watch TV lately, you know, because of some of this stuff. You know, by the way, also, I, I guess the vaunted CNN move to the middle is over. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, well, MSNBC replaced uh, Rachel Maddow with a low ratings person whose name I can't even remember. And yeah, CNN just melting well, you know, down over Rachel, these two decisions. I met Rachel Maddow a, num Maddow a number of times and she figured out pretty much quickly I wasn't on her side of the fence. But she was always, always very nice very polite you know what i'm saying um um always you know i mean i still remember you know you guys want anything to drink you know can i get she was gonna you know of course send her assistant for it but i mean she was concerned about it you know and i think the other thing with rachel maddow is is like she is this you know former catholic schoolgirl who understands things and i think i think she's a deep thinker you know what i'm saying i think rachel maddow besides all the crazy stuff that you see from everybody, there are some people who are pretty good thinkers out there, you know what I'm saying, on the left. And I always gave her, <coughs> I know you're not agreeing with me, but I always gave her no, more, I, agree, uh, I, agree. <laughs> I gave her more, I gave her a lot more credence and for, you know, cause she could string together some original thought from time to time, you know what I'm saying? Um, yes. Trump, Trump kind of broke her a little bit, you know what I'm saying? I mean, in other words, like, you know, in the, I mean, I don't know how you respond to Trump either. You know, I had I have a tough enough time with it. You know, now that we just found out he was grabbing the limo driver's wheel, if that's true or not, I don't know. <laughs> that would have been, been great paper. That would have been Why, hilarious. I don't, care, I don't care anybody said if that's true or not. I don't care. I do, I want it in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Watch it. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. Switching gears, uh, but but going from one um, place with with racists to a place that's run by racist China. Um, 
There's a poll out. It's in Nikkei. I forget who conducted the poll, but it shows that among Australians, 70 percent of people in Australia are supportive of the previous government's decision to build nuclear submarines. And this is part of the it's called AUKUS, A-U-K-U-S agreement between uh, us, the Brits, the Aussies. And, and basically it was a decision instead of buying some French diesel electric submarines, which are overpriced, over budget, late, and really only good for patrolling the area. And French, yeah, there's that problem. French. French. Uh, when, you see, when, you hear, when you hear war weapons, the last thing you want to hear is Italian or French. Here, would you like this Italian? You know, here's an Italian machine gun and a French grenade. You're dead. <laughs> That's right. Uh, exactly. And for all those reasons, and, and if they buy a nuclear submarine, it actually makes them relevant to the Taiwan Strait, to the South China Sea, to the East China Sea, yes. uh, frankly, the entire Pacific, the entire world, if they want to. Uh, my gripe with the agreement is that it takes us so long to do procurement and development that if we add the Australians who have no experience at all with nuclear anything, literally, they only have, I think, one or two nuclear reactors in the whole country and that's just to make medical stuff they have no infrastructure at all so my concern is that the junior crew members on the maiden voyage of these future submarines are still just twinkles in the eyes of their parents it's really it's i mean i'm not even kidding it's going to take 20 years before these things are deployable but setting that aside isn't it interesting that Australia um, is has made this decision? They've had a change in government. They went from a boring, uh, kind of pathetic conservative coalition to now Labour being in charge, and they've kept similar, seemingly the same foreign policy, which appears to enjoy pretty broad support. And this is nice because Australia is kind of far from China. I mean, they're there, they're in the Pacific, the Indo-Pacific, but they could also pull in New Zealand and say, well, we have all these countries between us and we have the U.S. to protect us. So maybe we'll just kind of sit back and raise sheep. That's New Zealand. Um, what do you think is driving this in Australia? China. I mean, one of the things is, is Bill Brittles from ABC had something come out the other day. Um, as, as Australian Broadcasting Corporation, by the way, not ABC in America. Ah. <laughs> and it was pretty good. He basically did sum up. The simple fact of the matter is the Australians have been listening to the Chinese and they now believe them. And they're looking at all these things. And, you know, the other day, the Australians had, an, had, a, had, a, had a surveillance plane flying up and the damn Chinese fighter jumped in front of it and he let off flares, which went through, which, you know, the flares were ingested into their engines and it could have brought them down. The point being is one of the things is, and I'm not an expert on the Aussies other than drinking with a few of them and having many friends. One of the things is, is the Australians are very aware that they are part of the West. They very much, they very much are there. They are not an outpost of the West. They are part of the West. The Kiwis have a different view. Uh, the, uh, these, these are the view. But the Australians see themselves as part of the West. They see them as part of that. Probably no two countries punch more above their weight, or at least Canada used to, still can if they want to, um, is Australia and Canada. They just punch above their weight. God bless them. You know what I'm saying? They're always there. They're always trying to show up. Um, but I think the fact of the matter is, look, Australia wants to trade with the world. The Solomon Islands thing is a huge, huge deal. Um, it's hard for people to understand, but like if my hand or if my fat head is Australia. This is the Solomon Islands right up here. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Right up here. And everything around here is land. For them to get out, they've got to go buy that. And the fact that the Chinese are up there 
is not appealing to them. And it's an incredibly aggressive move by the Chinese. Look, Australia is basically now understanding that they have a number of things going on in their in their country. All of those things going on in their country are basically tied into their relationship with the West and their problems with China. Nothing else. It's their exports, their imports. It's their quality of life in terms of salaries and immigration. So they're a country that's really having to deal with these things. And I think overall, look, the Chinese are incredibly aggressive. They're incredibly nasty. But there's a lot of people out there who are documenting this in Australia. You know, just the other day, they had like the new officers sworn in of the China Fujin, the Australian Fujin Chamber of Commerce, United Front Organization. So imagine if you're an Australian guy, you're looking down the street. You know, that'd be like 1937. All of a sudden, you know, the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn German American Friendship, the Brooklyn German Friendship Society or something like that in 1939. So the Australians are there. They're standing up. They're pushing up. They're a big country. They need access to the global markets for everything from grain to wine to seafood. You know what I'm saying? They have some decent technology companies that are moving a few things out. Not a lot, admittedly, but they try. And they're connected up with the world. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact of the matter is China threatens that. How uh, often did Australians, they must have turned up in Hong Kong a whole lot when you were there, but were they the typical expats just there to make money and depart? Um, and has that changed? Uh, have they sort of followed the, the exodus? The, the, new, the newer ones, yes. The newer ones, yes. But the Australians are always, I mean, ex, expats by nature, you know, I, everybody doesn't really understand. The expats of Hong Kong were unique. I arrived in, I arrived in Hong Kong in 1991. So I had like seven years of actually six years of the Brits running things. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I used to have drinks and party with, I mean, I used to go to the uh, military parades because they liked me. You know, I played rugby with those guys. The Australians were more part of a, like I said, a Western, a Western colony that was. As those people have been replaced over time, you know, the fact of the matter is, is like, I'll put it this way. In 2003, you saw a lot of white people out on the marches, you know what I'm saying? Because they were older expats. They were people finishing contracts. They'd just been there since before 97. 2014, 15, even the peaceful marches, expats by nature are there to make money. It's the nature of the beast. But the Australians are better than better than most because of Australia. But, you know, you, you actually, one of the things you do learn when you're abroad you you just see the Australians are kind of everywhere, usually tagging along with the Americans and the Brits. You know what I'm saying? New Zealand, I don't really get that upset with them, but I got no use for them. It's three million, four million people, whatever it is, who cares? You know, <laughs> right. and you know, and and they're down there and they've made the decision not to be part of the world. But yeah, I think the Australians are very well aware of these things. I've told this story before. I caution everybody. Um, it was told to me. It sounds plausible, but it's the old story of about maybe seven, eight years ago, there was a big like dinner party going on, one of these diplomatic soirees down in, um, you know, down in Melbourne or in Sydney or something like that. And a Chinese military attache officer told these Australian Navy and Air Force officers, don't worry, no problem, because he was talking about, you know, they were they were deploying stuff in the South China Sea and the islands. Don't worry. We'll give you an exemption from charging you for overflights. 
And <laughs> I've never, I've only seen it reported once or twice, but I know somebody who was there and he swears it was said, and he's a very credible guy. And he said, literally, you saw like these seven or eight people just like stop dead. And the other diplomat with the Chinese guy quickly smoothed it over and said, oh, no, he's just kidding. You know, he's just kidding. He's talking about this. But that guy wasn't kidding. In his mind, South China Sea was there. And if you're Australia, you're really going to let China. They've, they've seen that movie before. It was called Japan, 1939. Right. Well, and you mentioned the Solomons. And, of course, Guadalcanal was it's as at the base, the southern base of the Solomons, uh, which is yep. you know very, very expensive to retake uh, and to expel the Japanese from in a long-running battle throughout the uh, I mean, America, yeah, America deserves, look, China's a huge monster, you know what I'm saying? So if you're the, if you're the Australians, that's why these Kiwis are so stupid about all this. You know, you're naturally going to be economically dependent on these guys in many ways, you know what I'm saying? There's just not going to happen. So why would you just throw in, if you're the Kiwis, why would you just give up on everything, you know, instead of having your prime minister come over here and, you know, basically go on the Colbert show and think that really matters? You know, I mean, let me tell you, the next Republican administration that comes in, I, I'm not even sure. I don't even think we need the Kiwis. I just, we just don't need them. There's nothing. They no, have it was need. I knew when John Key was their prime minister and he was from the Nationalist Party. They're conservatives, if I'm recalling correctly. I may be wrong. And it's sort of like when Stephen Harper was the premier, the prime minister of Canada. I'm like, this is this is as good as it gets. These two yeah. people, these two men are are more conservative, stronger leaders and more in the West and more uh, allied conceptually with the idea of the United States and our traditional foreign policy we've gotten away from. Um, and sure enough, you know, Harper goes and you get the sock model, Justin Trudeau. And out goes key. I, there, there's been, I think, some churn, but essentially, you know, just a, a standard issue, progressive. Um, I mean, that's in New Zealand. Going back to Canada, I mean, for crying out loud, the foreign minister uh, was a journalist and didn't have any anything in the interim that I'm familiar with. <laughs> Christian, I, I got to tell you, I, I really, I think America's got the same. I mean, look, I, I think the thing is, is like history's shown us all the time. You know, basically, we ended the Cold War. Uh, we did have a, t a great shot against us in, on 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 you know January on September first, September eleventh. I mean, two thousand and one. Um, but really, other than that, you know, that was a significant blow to America. But we took care of it militarily very very quickly, um, in the terms of winning. And then you know, of course, we had that extended Sinhin. But I, I sense that people don't really understand, you know, Putin and Xi Jinping. We're not going to have trouble with just one. The moment we have trouble with one, we're going to have trouble with four, you know, because that's when the North Koreans start causing trouble and the Iranians start causing trouble. Yeah. And so I I I I think there's a, a a lack of seriousness in 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 the world today where we've allowed the people who are not serious people because basically they yell the loudest, they scream the loudest, and they're what stands in between most of us and what we want materially and what we want for our lives. You know, I mean, you, you probably see it in your life. You know, you and Marco probably see, you know, you're out there, you're trying to raise your son, you're trying to do other things you guys are doing. And there's just these people who are like, just keep getting in your way for no reason whatsoever, other than their own self-aggrandizement. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's not that they stop you, but it's like they ha you have to go around them. But it's easier to go around them than 
constantly stop and have the battle. I think yeah. that's ending with China. I think I think I really yeah. do believe that China is going to make a lot of people today who think they're relevant irrelevant. You know, it's one of the reasons why <laughs> um, like many think tanks in Washington, hopefully. Yeah. No, but it's one of the reasons why, if you ever look at like I, I see in the Hong Kong movement and I see in some other movements, mm -hmm. you know, they tried to tie up with Black Lives Matters. It was the funniest thing you've ever seen. Like, you know, we're going to be with Black Lives Matters. The Black Lives Matters people have their own issues. They're not interested in tying up with a bunch of Hong Kong people. You know what I'm saying? They're not looking for inspiration. Some guy tweeted something out yesterday about how Hong Kong helped the Antifa and BLM movement. I'm going like those Give movements do not look abroad at all. They are strictly inward looking movements. You know, yeah. BLM doesn't BLM doesn't even want to talk about anything that doesn't have to do with BLM because they're focused. They got a goal. You got to give them credit. You know what I'm saying? So my point being is, is that all these all these people who are kind of frivolous. A place like China is going to make them just go away because I think I, I, I think there's a real possibility of actual violence in the Pacific. I think there really is much more than we think. Mm. It may yes. not even center around Taiwan. I'm not sure. It centers That's around what I'm Taiwan. thinking. You know, everyone thought World War II for America would start in the Philippines and it came there a day later. But no, it was Pearl Harbor um, and uh, Midway was a bit later. But, you know, it was it was much more central Pacific. It's everyone thinks they I mean, sometimes wars do sort of unfold as predicted at the beginning, almost never over the course of the whole war, almost never. But uh, I mean, a few exceptions. But um, yeah, no, that's why the 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 Solomon's thing, I think, is interesting and worrisome. And, you know, so we were so focused on the South China Sea and the fake islands they built there. Um, but if you have them turning up in Bougainville and what's going on in Papua New Guinea and um, and, you know, this sort of uh, move to have a base on the Horn of Africa, maybe even something, um, you know, who knows what they have cooking with with Myanmar on any given given weaker day. So it's it's an expansive and no one in, in history has ever had a naval expansion like the Chinese and not eventually wanted to have an adventure with it, including the United States. Um, now we're in a nuclear world, so maybe it doesn't automatically happen again, but you never know. No, I think I think I. I my sense of the Chinese is they're what I call untested men with, you know, basically, you know, they're just untested men and they want to be tested and they really think they're better at what they are. I mean, I don't think they're that good. Um, mm, that could right. be a good thing and a bad thing, probably a good thing overall. They're not that good. They're not good. But the bad thing is, is what's going to happen when they fail. And I think there's a real good chance they fail, you know, but I, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not an optimist. I don't think they're doing all this for no reason. I think there's a lot of egos, a lot of people, and also they just don't give a shit. That's fine. Right. Thing, you know. Well, maybe we could use some more subs ourselves and maybe spend uh, a fewer, fewer $40 billion gifts for Ukraine. But How hey, much is a just, sub? A sub is like $3 opinion. billion, right? I think that, yeah, if you look at, um, you know, we're in another situation as we are with carriers where we have a new class coming online and, and you know, they're always most expensive at that point and the slowest in actually getting them commissioned and deployed. So, for instance, the Gerald Ford was $13 billion. She's an aircraft carrier. Her replacement 
my, I haven't looked at numbers recently, may be closer to 10. And also we'll have technology that no longer needs to be invented from scratch, like an electromagnetic catapult. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, uh, 3 billion, you know, if uh, for that 40 billion we sent Ukraine, eh, maybe it won't break our budget, maybe it will. But if you had spent that in the Pacific, uh, either on F-35s, on uh, new uh, submarines, it doesn't take that many. We already have some deployed at any given time. If China had three or four more of those to worry about, out, uh, not knowing where they are, uh, are you really going to attack Taiwan or, or engage in some sort of far away military no. expedition if, if those are roaming around? You're certainly less well, likely I'll, to. I, look, I'll be honest. I don't think they really, they don't care about Taiwan from a territorial point of view. It's always, that's always been ridiculous. They care about Taiwan for two reasons. First of all, to show their own people how powerful and great they are, you know, in other words, as an internal rallying point is the first one and the second one to show the rest of the world how powerful and how powerful they are but it doesn't mean they have to take taiwan to do either one of them and i'm also right. coming to, i'm also coming to the conclusion more and more that taiwan is not going to be an easy take form if the u.s and the japanese decide it's not going to be so anyway that's a lot in one day so i'll let you go on that one great all right well we'll call it there thanks for watching simon and white and we'll be back again with another episode if you like what you saw please subscribe to us or leave us a review and have the podcast and we'll be back again soon thanks